Bright AMP Acolytes. We're coming back at you for the second time today. What up, what up? Just finished Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the film version, for the first time in Braden's case. Second time in my case. I'd only seen it once, so it was just my second that time. That was the only it. time you had seen That was the second yeah. time you'd seen it. Oh, yeah, never seen it before. Just the one time. But in all seriousness, that was only the second time you've seen that? Are you serious? Um, I mean, that's dead serious. I've probably seen it like 10, that's what 15 I times. Yeah, okay. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, it's one that you, listener, probably, if you have seen it, and you're a Harry Potter fan, you probably have strong feelings about it one way or the other. So hopefully Braden does as well. Yeah, so before we get into my feelings, can I, you know, we couldn't talk about this beforehand because you didn't want to spoil anything, but mm-hmm. like, get, mm-hmm. can you give me the background of this film? Is it controversial amongst the Harry Potter, like, fan base? It is. Okay. So it's controversial, well, it's not, it's not really controversial, I guess I've, I'm, I'm phrasing that poorly. I don't. I've I've not heard a lot of defenders of the fourth film. Okay, that makes me feel better. It's mostly. Uh, it makes listen. It makes Harry Potter fans unhappy because of how it handles the plot. Yep. Of Goblet of Fire. Yep. And so, you know, we can just get into it now if you want. Like, there's obvious. It's a long book with a lot of storylines. Mm-hmm. You got to cut some stuff out. Definitely. And we understand that. Yeah. Where no one's saying that you should just be doing a page-for-page remake. Well, you should, but that should be like an HBO miniseries. You can't do that in one movie. Right. Right. So let's run through the things they cut out. Off the top of your head, what they cut out? They cut out Ludo Bagman. Cut out Ludo literal Bagman Bagman. I am fine with that one. Mm -hmm. That one didn't bother me. It didn't take away from the plot, I felt like. And I knew going to the movie that that happened. You accidentally let that go. I spoiled that, yeah. And... But I, I still wanted to see, like, okay, how, how does that change? Like, will I have wished that was there? And I didn't. That was fine. It didn't hurt. So the justification that is always made is, well, we, we followed Harry. Like, if it had a direct impact on Harry and his plot, then that's what we got to put in. Right. So we lost some twins, intrigue, blackmailing, joke I was shop. fine with we that, too. That, stuff. that didn't do anything for me anyways. That's a loss that yeah. you can take. That, yep. Mm-hmm. Those two are... I'm good. I'm what okay. Else? What else did we lose? We lost um, the argument or disagreement, misunderstanding between um, Madame Maxine and Hagrid. Yes, that's true. We lost the Hagrid is a half giant storyline. That also didn't really bother me. Okay. Um, I was looking for it and kind of confused when it didn't come about, but it, I'm, I'm totally fine without it. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I guess the best way to, for me to kind of recap what was missing is to go through scenes that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, There's an early one. There's a couple early ones. So we didn't start out at the Dursleys. Correct. Lost Dursleys. Didn't do the fireplace thing. The Tuntung Toffee. Yeah. We lost. Um, that one, I would have liked to have seen it, but didn't. Didn't ruin anything for me. Mm-hmm. It was just, mm-hmm. I looked at you, I think, and was kind of like, oh, okay, we, we're not doing that. Yeah, the first several times you looked at me, it was like, so this we're just moving right along, yep. like the Muppets here. Yeah, it felt like we were moving really quick. And, I, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, this, like you said, this is a long book. There's a lot of plot here. You can't have it all. Mm-hmm. We get to the Tri-Wizard Tournament, 
or I'm sorry, the the Quidditch, uh, the Quidditch World, World Cup, Cup mm-hmm. and Rogi kind of like elbows me. He's like, "Dude, you ready for the Quidditch World Cup?" And I'm thinking like, "Oh, this must be like this is why we we got off to such a fast start because mm-hmm. we got to get into this epic Quidditch World Cup scene." Yep. We got Ronsky faints. Yeah, we got Vilas. You know, we walk in and you know we're going through the camp and it's like this like festival. People are having fun playing games. I think it's even more intense than how it's described in the book. I mean, Absolutely, the book, it's like you're supposed to be trying to look like Muggles. And in the movie, they were like, no, we're just... It's like a big party, yeah, like yeah. A, a huge tailgate. Mm-hmm. Don't, um, I don't mind that, yeah. Yeah, and I liked that. And so I'm like, okay, this is sick. This is leading up to this big Quidditch World Cup. And mm-hmm. since we didn't get a whole lot of Quidditch in the third book, or in the fourth, I'm sorry. The third. The, the third. third. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, here's how, we, here's how they redeem themselves. Mm-hmm. We come in hot with Quidditch right from the beginning. We get into the stadium. We've got kind of the snarky remarks from Lucius and, and Draco Malfoy. Like being higher up isn't better. For a Quidditch right, match? Right. Um, so you've got that build up, and then they're introducing both, um, you know, the teams, and Crumb comes on the screen, and everybody's freaking out, and then scene. Yeah. Then we're back in We're back in the tent. We're back in the chocolate. tent. And even in the tent, it's like, and we're happy, and Death Eaters. Yep. Things are on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't even process... The, how much we're skipping ahead. That's what it felt like through the whole movie for me. I felt like it was so choppy and just like, we're here, it's happening, and now we're here. And now this is happening. And we're done, and we're here. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. I, it was like a mental effort to like stay with it, I felt like, because we were moving so quick. This is why I wish Hannah was still here. We could be like, Hannah, explain what happened to this movie. She'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, at one point, a Rogi... A guy turned into a guy? Yeah. At one point, Rogi, like, whispers back to Hannah. Her and Rachel and Jess were in the row behind us, and Rogi's like, okay, Hannah, you following along? You know you know where we're at? And she just immediately, in, like, the most monotone, yeah. is just like, no. <laughs> I was like, what do you think's going to happen? She goes, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie yet, Rogi. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So, um, I mean, but like, that's an indication that this movie didn't do a good job of walking you along and being like, all right, we're setting this up with like this plot point, that plot point. The only thing that tries to do is the licking is the facial tick that Bardie Crush Jr. has. Yep. Yep. So that's, um, I, you know, the Quidditch World Cup, like it doesn't destroy the plot and, I guess from a director's standpoint, when you're trying to jam pack this whole story into a two hour movie, like we said, you got to cut stuff. Mm -hmm. I just felt like you needed, you could have shortened it up. You just, you still needed some Quidditch there. Yeah. No Quidditch at all. You needed some press box, Barty Crouch. Where the frick was Winky? The entire movie. Zero Winkies or Dobbies. That just hit me. Or Dobbies. No, no, no Dobby, no Winky. Don't have any CGI budget for that. Walk me through the first task. The first task. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is this was the point where I lost the patience. You did. Because you were like, okay, like just sort of surprised about what was going on up until that point. And then the first task, and we we send Cedric out. There's no sounds, no, 
I don't think they came over with a loud, like they used their wand to talk about what was going on like Bagman does in the book. Right, no. So we have no idea what happened to any of the other three champions. And then it's Harry's up and he goes out into just like this rock yard where they have a dragon on a very weak chain. And very long. It's not very stopping long. it from moving as much as it wants. Right. And he's just kind of running around like getting thrown all over the place against rocks. Which, a lot of scrambling. A lot of scrambling. Finally summons his uh, Thunderbolt and then just takes off mm-hmm. out of the stadium and flies around Hogwarts for like a very long scene. <laughs> There's a lot of dragons scrabbling through the tiling. Like the we shingles. are hanging on the side of a building at Hogwarts for at least five to ten minutes. If it's it feels like a very long time. It's not that long, but it felt like yeah, it. Right. And then he miraculously gets the thunderbolt back and just jets back to the stadium, grabs the egg. You you left out the crucial part, which is where Harry flies through a bridge and then the dragon just headbutts it. And that's how oh, he beats yeah. it. That's how he beats the that's dragon. That's how he beats the dragon. And that's you looking at me and you're like, honestly, what is you said, like what's happening? Yeah. Like I said, that's where I lost my patience. I was like, I think I turned around to Rachel and said, what are we even doing? Yeah, yeah. I get that when you make a movie about a book, it's not going to be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I get that. I accept that. This was not even close. And so like, Person of Azkaban we watched earlier today was also had a lot of stuff that was different. But I but felt it, like it, it. You felt like it was for reasons that you could like make sense of, and it pushed things forward artistically. It did, and it's and it it never. I felt like it never pulled me away enough, like to where I was sitting there going, like that's not how that happens. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, okay, that's subtly different, and I'm not going to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Which is how this one started, and then we got. <laughs> The, the farther we went along, I was just like, this is like, they've completely changed the story for me. Yeah. They're not telling a story. They just, they took a story. They're like, this is too big. We just got to chop pieces out and didn't reweave it back together into a coherent story. Yeah. So like my goal in talking about this is not to jump on the bandwagon of like, let's just tear apart Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know who directed this or whatever, Mike but Newell. Uh, yeah, Mike. Okay, Mike. I'm not trying to like throw you under the bus. I'm sure he's taken definitely a listener. I'm sure he's taken a lot of heat over mm-hmm. the years for this. Um, I just felt like I know that you got to cut a lot of stuff. I think you cut way too much, or so, or, or altered right. too much. What did you think about the execution of the scenes that were in there? As far as the acting, as far as the directorial choices, cinematography, you at one point said we're zooming a lot. So yeah, I talked about the choppiness. I didn't like how we're just we jump from scene to scene. There's really no there's I just didn't like I feel like transitions you shouldn't notice them in most films unless they're just supposed to be abrupt. And I felt like everything felt so forced in this one just the transitions from scene to scene. Mm-hmm. Um, where was the, where were we going with the second? Yeah. The acting, the execution. I mean, what was in there? Cause you know, and we can, and we'll keep talking about, they cut this and they cut that. Cause like 
the people are here listening to you. They want to hear what you thought of it mm-hmm. as someone that just read the book and then just watched the movie for mm-hmm. the first time. That's the whole point. Um, but I mean, was any of the acting? I mean, and maybe I should phrase it this way: What 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 did you like about it? Were, were there performances that you liked? Were were there just bits or like they changed this, but at least the way they did it, like it that scene in and of itself was done well. So I would say I felt that way about the second task. Okay. Um, that wasn't really how I expected it to go either. It was very sped up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I felt like what they did with it, knowing that like that is such a drawn out task and mm-hmm. scene, you couldn't, I mean, you couldn't jam pack all the details from that into the movie. Yeah, and we just zoomed past what was already just dead time of Harry being like, they're still not here. I still have to go. Like, you just got all of that, and you got what you needed, and you left. Yeah, and I felt like the way they did that was perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. I felt good about the second task. Mm -hmm. I felt like it still kept within the vein of what the book said. You felt good about Neville stepping in for Dobby to give him the gillyweed? Yeah, like, that was a seamless switch. Yeah, I'm okay with that. And I honestly, I think I liked it. I liked that we're getting Neville involved in the story. Mm -hmm. Um, You said the word zoom, and that was the other thing I wanted to talk Mm -hmm. about from, like, Mm -hmm. a production standpoint. I thought the zooming in and out in this film was awkward. Um, There were scenes that felt like a cut out of The Office. Like Jim just made a like passive aggressive joke and like we're like zooming. I don't know. Not quite that like dramatic, but yeah. I don't know. I thought that was weird. Um so any anyways, I liked I liked the second task. Um I thought the Yule Ball was good. Mm-hmm. It it hit the awkward fourteen year old not asking the girl to dance yeah. because he's annoyed about the other girl. Right. It got the vibe that it was going for. Yep. So I don't. I don't think you screwed that up. And frankly, I think the uh, port key from from the point of touching the grabbing the port key, him and Cedric, up until bringing Cedric back mm-hmm. dead, I thought that was executed pretty well. Oh yeah, Ray Fiennes who plays Voldemort. I don't know if you've seen him in anything else. Um, Grand Budapest Hotel. The Wes Anderson film? No. I know what that is, but yeah. no, I haven't seen he's it. He's really good in that. Yeah. He, I mean, he's a good actor. Yeah. And he he does Voldemort. He gets... You get the, like, uh, force of nature, like, creepy and slimy, but, like, still kind of alluring Voldemort that you're looking for. Like, he has personality that draws Death Eaters to him. He, he plays the power. It's got... I, I like the visual. I think his body is good, and it's cool. My only issue is that I wish there were more Death Eaters. There's, yes. shots, there's shots where you can look and count and be like, there's eight guys there. Yeah, that was wildly um, underwhelming, mm-hmm. the presence of the Death Eaters. Like, I felt like the book made it, the book didn't make it sound like there were hundreds, mm-hmm. but it made it sound like there were like 20. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, 15, 20, where you can make us, you can form a circle. Yeah. You can, yeah. you can be like, oh, and even if I break through this, then there's Death Eaters there. Like, this was just Crab and Goyle's dad and Lucius Malfoy are here. Yeah. You didn't get... We, we cut out a lot of Voldemort monologue. And that didn't bother you? Um, it doesn't have to bother you. So it's it's kind of... I, I feel the same way about that. Um, I, I think you could have kept more than you cut. Does that make sense? Sure. Like I... I th- <laughs> so I talked about when we read it in the book that I was like, man, this is 
a friggin' long monologue. Mm -hmm. Feels like he talks forever. He does. And in this one, it was like, he doesn't talk at all. Nope. So it seemed like there could have been a happy medium somewhere Mm -hmm. because as the villain that we're finally getting introduced to, you would expect to get a little bit of background on him. This is how I got here. This is how long it took. And this is when I killed your parents and that kind of thing. And, um, we didn't really get any of that. So I felt like just like everything else in the movie, like that was rushed. Mm-hmm. That was, that was quick and to the point, but I thought the portrayal of Voldemort, um, the act from the acting to just like the makeup and everything, mm-hmm. like yeah. how he looked almost, almost translucent. Yes. Um, yeah. I was hoping his eyes would be redder. Sure. They were pretty like human like, mm-hmm. um, but they, I even caught the subtlety of like his tongue coming out at once, and it was one time and it was forked uh-huh. like a snake. And mm-hmm. um, I thought even down to like his like thin, weird, flowy robes that he was wearing like seemed <laughs> to fit well. Yeah, with the scene. Um, so yeah, I I was really happy with what Voldemort ended up being. Um, and I thought the the manifestation of like the wands connecting and the force field like that was well done i think we both looked at each other at the point that harry lets go of it and runs Mm -hmm. that like that was almost that almost came better i i consumed that scene in a more i don't know how to say this way i mean in the book it's like i'm dodging between graves and i pushed a death eater and then i went and got this and you're like harry isn't your ankle broken like it like it just there's a little more cognitive dissonance yeah yeah like the way that they portrayed how he got out of there like just made sense Mm it's like yeah that's how that would have happened didn't bother you yeah um what i think what part of what i'm hearing and what what i feel is the lack of the monologue is like okay like we can make it out of there without hardly any monologue but you're not we, we, Voldemort isn't developed at all we know that he's big and bad we've known big bad Voldemort has existed that he's been big and bad the whole time but if you haven't read the books you don't know anything about why you don't know about his relationship with his parents that it talks about a little bit and Harry, the Harry relationship you I mean he goes through in the book blow by blow Here's what happened in Harry's second year, and then I almost and then I almost got back in this way, and then Wormtail came. You get all of that, and you you understand a little bit more of what makes Voldemort tick. And we're and the books will continue to do that, obviously. I yeah, I I don't think I'm spoiling anything with that. But in the movie, you're just supposed to be like, all right, this is the dude, and I'm scared of him, and we can just keep rolling with it. Like he's like, you know, the best villains are compelling. who are the villains that everyone loves to talk about is like the Joker and Thanos and like people who, who do talking and they get, you can kind of get under them and you can like almost agree with them. Right. I mean like there's people out there who are like, well, Thanos has a point about overcrowding. I love the Joker. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of, of dark Knight Joker. Mm -hmm. And Voldemort's not the same thing. No. Voldemort doesn't have the personality. Voldemort doesn't have is that any be, backstory. Do you mean in the film? In the film, okay. yes. Okay, yeah. yes. yeah. Film Voldemort. He has, visually, I think he looks great. They killed it, I thought. Mm-hmm. And I think that he delivers his lines very well. But there's no, the only emotion that you feel is fear. You don't hate Voldemort. 
You're not like, ah, oh, you did all these things. No. And like, you made me feel these feelings. You're like, ah, it's Voldemort. That's right. I'm supposed to be scared of Voldemort. Yeah. So that's tough. Yeah. And, and, I, and they're just, they're kicking the can down the road. Yeah. Which like, I think is how you sum up this whole movie. Yeah. It's like, we'll do the exposition later. Yeah. Like, let's just show the dragons. What, what do our fans want? They want to see dragons. They want to see mermaids. They want to see hedges closing in on people. You want to you want you want a you will ball, yeah. But that's but none of that is explanation. None of that is world building. Can we talk? Can we touch briefly on the third task on the maze? The maze was a total miss in my head. You were you were struggling with the maze. The maze. I felt like they didn't even try. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't say they didn't do the introduction scene. Hey, there's going to be a maze. There's going to be obstacles. Get prepped for this. Start building. I mean, that I would have liked that. It's it just, was a long movie, but I wanted to see Harry practicing some spells. I wanted to see him learning some things because right now as a movie watcher, I don't know that he knows any spells that aren't Expecto Patronum, Expelliarmus. I just, I already felt like in the book there was little going on in the maze, which you figure out at the end why. Right. But this was... This was even worse. Like, Harry didn't have to face a bogger. There wasn't a huge spider. There Why wasn't... take out the spider? I don't know. You've had spiders in both of the last two films. It feels like they, they spent their entire CGI budget on the Voldemort evolution scene mm-hmm. where he comes True. out of the, the gob. The or chocolate the, milk. Yeah. 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 And so... And the dragon. They spent a lot on the dragon. That's true. Because it's not like... They, it's not like it was a cut for time. Because you still spent quite a while in the maze. Yes. Running and looking and panting and you're scared and Crumb's eyes are very cloudy. You get all of that. You get a lot of it. You get minutes of it. And you can put 30 seconds of those of that time can be a spider. It can be a sphinx. I you think. Can talk about Blast and Inscru- You can't talk about Blast and Scrooge at this point because we haven't. We did. We ignored them. I was totally fine. I, I really wanted. Um I forget what it's called, but when Harry walks into that mist and everything's upside down. It's just the mist, yeah. I don't think that would have been that hard. Mm-mm. So, I don't know. I mean, it's easy from the seat of the theater goer to pick apart and critique a movie. Like, that's what we do. But it just sort of... It just felt like everything was rushed through. It was like, okay, you're sitting down to watch Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. You've probably read the book, so I don't really need to go into the details. Let's just cover the big events and let's do it quickly so we can get on to the fifth book. It doesn't feel loved and worked through in the way that something like Stranger Things, something like a Lord of the Rings movie, where it's like, man, I can see the passion and craft that was put into this. Like, the story is the story, but... Like you, you really went down to the details and you sweated all this dialogue and you made sure it all made sense. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we're on our third director in three movies. Maybe we're losing some continuity. We're losing some passion, maybe. It was, it was a little less passionate. So the other thing I thought of, um, you made the comment, uh, t- we were talking earlier today, and that the fifth book... Mm-hmm. He's, you told me that it can. It's a lot of times people's least favorite because it is just a lot of like. Don't worry, guys. I didn't spoil stuff. I, I, I was vague. <laughs> I, I didn't, yeah, I wasn't like, oh, it's because of this or that. No, we were we were kind of like mapping out um, 
how we were going to read through this one. Yeah. And he, he was just saying that, like, this is one that we're not going to have to work around, like, leaving cliffhangers as much. Mm-hmm. We can do chunks at a time yeah. and probably be fine. And I uh, so it ran through my mind watching this one. Did the director lean on that? Like, knowing that there was going to be a bunch of relationship and character development in the next book. And so, like, the, that, that director, whether it's me or somebody else, can take care of that in the next one. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, he knows, like, this is just number four. If you jump in at number four, that's your fault kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Which, so, like, if you're trying to defend, what's the guy's name? Mike Newell. Mike, if you're trying to defend Mike Newell, this book is about the rebirth of Lord Voldemort. Yeah, ultimately it is. So, I guess if you're running on a budget and that's what is important... Like, yeah, put put everything into that scene, which I would argue is the best scene of this movie, the most well-done scene of this movie. You can definitely argue that, yeah. So, I I still didn't love it, but right. I guess if you were trying to defend him, that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have to love it. What do you yeah. think of the Barty Crouch moody stuff? And tied into that is a little bit of the pensive stuff. Um, pensive. I... So much in the same way that I thought they killed it with uh, their portrayal of Voldemort, I thought Mad-Eye Moody, I felt the same way. Yeah. I really liked how he was kind of loud and gruff and crazy. and um, He was appropriately weird, but appropriately strong. Yep. Seemed knowledgeable. Yeah. Off, off-putting in a way that the real Moody would be. Yeah. Okay, so you like that. Did you notice that we started with Rita Skeeter and then we dropped Rita Skeeter? I didn't till you just just till now. That's Mm -hmm. yeah. We just totally cut out like Hermione figuring that out, and we cut out a bunch of her articles. We got the Bulgarian bonbon after first task, and then we were done with Rita Skeeter. You would see her sitting in the stands of things. Man, I didn't even think through that. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I want a lot, or I want all the Rita Skeeter, or I don't want any Rita Skeeter. I agree. I don't think that's one you can do halfway. I mean, they tried to, like, they did the, oh, there's press, and she, you know, we've got the quick quotes quill. Like, they built her up. They, they had her ready to go. First half of the movie, you're like, sure, Rita Skeeter's part of this. And then that arc, that doesn't pay off at all. Yeah. So I, that's something. I don't know. It was just, it felt like we were sprinting to the finish from the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And just, I don't know, having come off re- reading this book, that's not, that's not what I wanted. Mm-mm. I wanted, I, I had all these details in my head of like, okay, you find out at the end that Mad-Eye Moody wasn't Mad-Eye Moody. And there's like all these things that I want to pay attention to. And I almost want to reread the book, which I knew it wouldn't be exactly the same, but I wanted things to stay close. Yeah. And instead it was kind of like, oh, uh, okay, I guess we're done with that scene. Now we're moving on. And yeah, well, that's not the same. Not the same. That's, yeah. A good example. We just cut out, like we were going to just watch this movie and then read the last two chapters later. Like it just, it ignored the last two chapters. We get no fudge. It doesn't want to admit Voldemort's back. We did get no Dumbledore delegating people. Oh my to go gosh! Do tasks. I did not we even think about that. Absolutely zero serious black. I did not even. Okay, so two issues that you just made me think of. Um, the one that's on the forefront. We did not even touch. Um, 
Well, we did. We touched that Snape was accused in the in the Pensieve yes. scene. Yeah. But we didn't do anything with it. We Snape is not the same guy in the movie that he is in the books. In the books, I mean, Snape is a central character, and we're always thinking about, is he good, is he bad? And here, Snape's like, my boom slang skin, Potter. And, like, that's it. Honestly, and you can take this for what it is, but in the books, I want, I, I teeter on, like, is I know Snape's necessary, but I kind of hate him. Mm-hmm. In the movies... Today, after today, in three and four, yeah. I kind of like Snape. Right? Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't play it as gray. No, it's more like, well, I know that he doesn't like Harry Potter, and I don't know that I can trust him. But like, I, I don't know. It's almost like the Joker thing, like where like I kind of like to like that villain. Mm-hmm. Not that he is the villain, but like we don't know what to do with him. I think in my head, an issue is that Snape in the book. Snape in the book is almost over the top in how much of a jerk he is to Harry right. Ron Hermione. Right. And that's that's almost difficult to put on screen in a way that doesn't come off as corny or melodramatic. And you, it just comes back to like there's not enough time. We don't get to go to potions class six times this year and have him just be like, oh, you, I just deleted your potion because I hate you. I'm going to make you go sit over there and cut up Malfoy's Valerian roots or whatever. Do you think that we this one... We don't put time into it. Do you think that this film would have been one a good candidate f- to be a two part, and two like is there a seamless place you could cut it into two parts? That's the issue. Is that if it's a two parter, then the first part. I mean, I guess if you do the Quidditch World Cup and you just really go through everything and you've got Winky in there, I think you could cut it. Where would you around, cut it? You cut it right after the Yule Ball, right? You've got, but that does that make for a really boring ending to a movie that everybody's kind of like, well, what the heck? It does make for a boring ending. You know, I'm I'm thinking of like, where do you cut up, it? That you have there's to lead a, up to the Yule Ball harder and really lean into what happened at the Yule Ball and make it and have there be some kind of emotional. Stick. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what you do with that. Um, let's do some quick hitter. Do we cares and get out of here? All right, the food's here. Okay. Do we care about the outfits? The, any difference? Do we notice a, a big difference in how our characters looked in se- in epi- episode season in the third movie to the fourth one? I know Rachel made the comment that they, or I think it was Jess, maybe that like they wear like street clothes more often mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, um, which doesn't bother me. Um, this film wasn't as dark in terms of color. Which I, I kind of expected it to be. Um, well, we had a little bit of issue with the color palette on what we were watching. Well, I know, but I, I would say just in general, though, yeah. it wasn't as like right. blacks and grays and that there kind of thing. There wasn't as much shadow and darkness yeah. as there was in the third one. Yeah. Um, oh, what just came back to my mind? I just want to hit on this really quick, Wait, though. We were going to say two things. It yes. was about Snape. Yeah, the other thing is that you can't cut out Fudge freaking out at the end and absolutely refusing to accept what happened. I feel like that's huge going it, into the next it, book. It is. It's it's honestly it's not justifiable with what you're doing to the next movie and the heavy lifting that you're trying to make them do. You're just saying I don't care about the world. It's not about the world. All I care about is the literal just day-to-day emotions of this one teenager Harry Potter. 
And that's huge. Like, you don't feel the same way about Dumbledore in the book as you do the movie. Because you don't see the, the powerful Dumbledore, the respected Dumbledore, the arguing with him Dumbledore. All you see is him coming in and being like, Harry, remember that you have friends. Yeah. I, I haven't been super impressed. Um, not so much in Prisoner, but especially in this one, like with their portrayal of Dumbledore. Right. I was going to ask specifically, we've seen two now with new Dumbledore, with Michael Gambon versus the original Dumbledore, Richard Harris. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's not that I don't like him. I mean, I think he's fine. Mm-hmm. It's just... He's an old guy. In my head, he's more solemn and powerful. Mm-hmm. Whereas yes. 3 and 4 Dumbledore is more kind of like a little bit eccentric and gets like like shook easily and rattled and kind of like quicker than I expected. Like, he's I don't know. In the, yeah, in the books, I just read Dumbledore as like everything is calm and like, yes, we need to take action right now, but everybody just chill out. Cause I'm Dumbledore and we're going to be fine. Yeah. He exudes power. And I didn't get that vibe from movie Dumbledore. Well, there's all these scenes famously. I mean, if you were to get into the memes and stuff, there's all these scenes where in the book, it's like, Harry, did you put your name in the goblet of fire? Dumbledore asked, it literally says Dumbledore asked calmly. And in the movie, in the he, movie, he like pushes about him, throws him on a table him and yells at yells at him twice. Did you put it in the God of Fire? Did you like like that? That right there. I mean, that's, you know, like that. It's like a cliche how much of a meme that is. Yeah. Within the Harry Potter fandom, because not everyone hates Michael Gambon by any means, but there's a definitely contingent that are not happy with his portrayal in especially like four and five with the aggress with the aggression um, he doesn't, I mean, Dumbledore in the movies is powerful and all that. He's kind, he's kind and empathetic and he listens and those kinds of things. And you don't get that from this Dumbledore, hmm. but, no, it's, we, it's but there's, different. there's also not enough screen time. I mean, like we cut out those last two chapters and that's Dumbledore listening to Harry, explaining things through Dumbledore being righteous with fudge. Um, there was a lot less Barty Crouch Jr. Verita serum stuff. That's good. I think that's good Dumbledore building. Yeah. In the book. Yep. Because we just cut right from Barty Crouch Jr. He doesn't get dementored. He doesn't get anything. We go right from there and we're saying bye to Crumb and then we leave. Yeah, it was, I don't know. It was just rushed. But anyways, you were, you started on Do We Cares. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> do we care? We, I guess we've kind of hit on most of the stuff I was going to ask as far as Bagman, as far as House Elves. Do we care about the the licking, the tick? Did that, as a non-book reader, would you have found that to be meaningfully helpful or too obvious or not obvious enough? Um, as a, in the book, that'd have been too obvious, right? But I I thought that was out of I would put that in the positives category. Okay. I thought that was a neat touch, like because you had to have something, otherwise there's no way we we're gonna make the connection, right? And I thought that was creative but just subtle enough that like I didn't pick up on it till like later in the movie and started to notice it wasn't like painfully obvious right away so I thought that was well done do we care about the differences in Crouch's character and how he's utilized we don't get crazy Crouch we don't get sick Crouch and we get zero Weatherby I don't think Weatherby would have been that hard to add in here and there um Crouch was just sort of fleeting for me. It was kind of like, 
I feel like if I was watching this movie without having read the book, it would be like, what the heck was the deal with that Crouch guy? What's the point of him? Yeah, like, he why Why is point? he there? Because I, I felt like him and, and really other characters in this movie, I was relying heavily on what I had just read. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But probably Crouch at the forefront of that list. He In the book, he's supposed to be, you know, he hates the dark arts. He... He's very law and order, and there's the conflict of, oh, it's his own son, and so that kind of drives him mad to some extent, and then right. people are like, oh, okay, let's chill out with this guy, right? And, and you get, like, a richness of character, and in this one, like, A, he's not even supposed to be at the lake, the second task, at the lake task, it's supposed to be Percy there. And then he just comes up and has, like, an honestly really chill conversation with Harry, where he's being sincere, when does that happen in the book? I know. Especially at that point in the book with his like cognitive functionality. And then the interaction between Mad-Eye and him at that point was just weird. There, there were multiple scenes throughout this that I looked at you and I think I just said, like, that was weird. Yeah. Like, what, what was the point of that? It was an early scene like that. Oh, I don't remember which one it Something was. Something to do with Ron. <laughs> oh, it was the... Ronald told me to, t- to tell you that Dean told Pavardi yeah. that Hagrid told him. That was, I don't know. It was like, it felt like they were trying way too hard to um, personify like the awkward middle school, like I can't talk to people when I'm mad type thing. Yeah, like they knew that they didn't have a lot of time to do the Harry and Ron are mad at each other because Ron thinks that Harry put his name in the goblet for glory. But that's a that's an important part of a good of the first third of this book. I mean, but it's big. Even if like, you're gonna, let's just do that. Let's just do one scene. We got one scene. Let's just do that. And uh, and okay, like time crunch. I get it. If you're gonna wrap that up into one scene, that's fine. Why do you send Ron down with Hermione? There's no reason. Why doesn't Hermione just come down the hill by herself and like, well, Ron's ticked and he's up in his room, but this is what he said that she said that he said, and now you got to go talk to Hagrid. She can be exasperated there. She can still be like, Harry, I'm not an owl. Right. Like it's dumb. Like I know Ron's being dumb. She can do all of that without Ron being there. And let's. Can we talk about Ginny being there? Yeah, it, it was just a weird scene. Not a lot of not a lot of Ginny at all in the uh, whole movie. Yeah, I don't know. There were just I, like I said, this is a hard, hard book to make into a movie. It really is. But I just felt like there were more misses than there were hits. It's not unfair. So, the, do you have hope going into the fifth movie, fifth book, fifth movie? Um, you said they change directors, don't you? They sure do. Um, so yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, clean slate. Yeah, clean slate. And I think regardless of whether you thought this movie sucked or it was like pretty close, um, Voldemort's alive and they did a good job with that. So I think you've got the foundation moving into the next book. Sure. Um, I think that, like you said, you kind of screwed over the next people with the heavy lifting of Crouch and all that. Or uh, I'm sorry, Fudge, but mm-hmm. um, they did a good job with bringing Voldemort back to life. Um, that actor, I'm a, does he stay Voldemort through the rest of the series? Yes, yes. I think he's good. Um, I'll be interested to see how that develops with him. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I have, I have hope. I think it'll be good. Good. Um, we'll we'll probably take off here in a second. I do want to ask you 
if there's one character for me, if this is the first time I'm watching the movies, but I've read the books, right now I'm a little worried for Ron's character development. We didn't get a lot. We didn't get a lot of Ron. Ron was kind Ron of in the shadows in this being movie. Being mad about the Yule Ball and being mad about Harry being in the tournament. And besides that, Hermione was Harry's best friend. Hermione helps him with things. Hermione is concerned for him. Yeah. And is our conscious. Where are you at with Ron? I feel like we're leaving Ron behind a little bit. I did too. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. that that's how this movie felt for sure. Like Ron was just in the shadows and kind of an afterthought. He's often present, but not often useful. Yeah, there were needed. a ton of scenes where he's just like, he's just part of the background. Mm-hmm. Like we get a scene or two, like, or a, a part of the scene, a second or two where we kind of get his facial expression or like, yep. It, it was like we were trying to make sure that the viewer was like, hey, Ron's here too. Yeah. But as far as like, I don't know, this book does a lot for development of Harry. I mean, every book does. Right. But, you know, Hermione with her stepping out and going to the Yule Ball with Crumb and, and all of that. Uh, Neville. Um, I felt like Ron, yeah, like you said, was left behind a little bit. Yeah. So. So, like, from the end of the third to beginning of the fourth, I feel like you walk away caring as much as or more about Harry, about Hermione, about Neville, and you walk away caring less about Ron than you used to. Ron used to be more central. It used to make more sense about how he was Harry's best friend. He seemed more vital to Harry's life and the Harry-centric plot. I mean, if we're going in a Harry-centric direction and ignoring more of the world-building stuff, that's fine, but you'd think his best friend would be it would be a little bit more clear that they're best friends and that right. he's important to Harry. Right. I agree. So that's where I am with that. Any closing thoughts? Um, I guess I did want to ask, <laughs> how, <laughs> did I react appropriately to the not-so-subtle um, jabs at middle school kids hitting puberty and thinking differently than are you trying are you are you walking very carefully i am through this subject i am i'm being just vague enough there's a few moments i think scattered throughout that are a little bit of like adult like exploring sexuality in some ways i mean you get hagrid's hand hagrid's wandering hand what else was there? I, before that, I'm thinking of like Hermione's comment about Crumb. Oh, yeah, about how he's a physical being. Yeah. Yeah. And then Harry's face while she's saying that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, we're at this age. Yeah. This this wasn't that needed, but we put this scene in. Well, they're 14, and it varies from 14-year-old to 14-year-old, but I'm not going to say that there's no 14-year-olds that are... And, then, and Crumb's 17, 18. That's what made it weird for me. That did make that's you're you're not wrong. Yeah, I feel like she does say that in the book though. Yeah. Well, and Harry, what Harry said, I think I don't think he was coming to the library for the books. Yeah, and and the Ron saying like I don't think it's talking he's got on his mind or yeah. whatever and yeah. something along those lines. Yeah. So and he's way too old for you. I don't think you can take care of yourself. I mean that's yeah. pretty direct implication. Yeah. So. Yeah. Something to keep an eye on going forward. The characters aren't getting any younger. Ron mentioning that oh how he loves the way how oh, how yeah. he loves to watch the Vila walk. You know how I you know how I like 
Or not the Vila, walk, I'm sorry, but the walk. the French girls. Yeah, you know how I like it when they walk in. And like, he's like, yeah, sure, I do know. The the scene when they walk in, mm-hmm. like the camera doesn't linger at that height, at by accident. No, you're supposed to be like they have butts. Yeah, so that was. Like, I knew that that was going to be a subtle part of this movie just because, like, we do have to acknowledge that the the age that they're getting to, but I felt like the director was kind of like... Rita Skeeter in the closet? Yeah, that's another one. She's, like, right up on Harry, and she's like, oh, cozy, isn't it? Whoa. You just took a 14-year-old boy into the closet. Mm-hmm. Like, they, did, they didn't skirt around that, like, the nope. the sexuality stuff at all, I felt like. Yeah. Hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's not that big of a deal, but it was, it shocked me a little bit, like how I expected to be, it to be a little more subtle than that. Yeah. But and they, they play it for humor pretty much every time. Right. Which I think is the way to go if you're going to do it that you way. You don't want to make it actually <laughs> sensual. No. No. Eesh. No. That's funny. Thank you guys for sticking with us. I hope you found this to be an interesting and useful discussion of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. We didn't do any outro stuff last episode. Howl at us about these movies. 978 Potter Zero. 978 Braden knows it and I don't. You can call in. And talk about your feelings about the Goblet of Fire. I feel like we should get some calls about that. Oh, please do. Yeah. Um, You've got to have feelings. Yeah. You've got to have favorite scenes, least favorite scenes. I'd like to hear from someone something. who who's, wants to defend it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm sure there are things that I'm not, like, seeing. That, like, hey, actually, they did this really well and that kind of thing. Well, so. that's how it goes is that the first time you're watching it, it can snowball. If you're not liking this and this, then that just puts you in a negative mindset yep. about the rest of it going forward. And that's no one blames you for that. I mean, that's just how it goes. So, yeah. Yeah, call in and defend that. Um, we've been a little more active on Instagram, which by extension Facebook here lately, so please continue to hit us up there. We always appreciate your feedback. And, yeah, we won't have another one of these for a little while, but hopefully we can do the fifth book and then get Braden here and watch the fifth movie and not wait two more books. Yep, that'll be the plan. Mm-hmm. So, thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks, Sylvia's? Yeah, for real. We'll see you guys next time when we have started Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix.